Rob Palmer, the podcast. You know what? The lawn is going to start going oh, off with Nana. Mental. My hedge is starting to go going off its Nana. <laughs> I have to hedge it. <laughs> yeah, who also is losing their na I was listening to a game of rugby league on the weekend. Penrith, who were Penrith playing? Uh, they were playing the Warriors. Warriors. Um, Smash the Warriors. Yeah. So Sean Johnson I, wasn't playing. Nathan Cleary did, you know, played pretty well. Yeah. And, they, and I reckon every five minutes someone yeah. told me what a clinic he'd put on. I'm mm. going... Could someone please find another verb for Nathan yeah. Cleary's game? What they'll do, Other they'll than, zero in oh, on one play. It's been hey, a clinic from Nathan Cleary today. Early on, on someone the, else does it. Early yeah. on in the season, they were zeroing in on Latrell Mitchell. Every t- everything like if he he run on the field. Oh, look at the way he's running onto that field. You know, he's running onto the field, and you go same with Nathan Cleary. Oh, it was a clinic. Oh, it was, like he did play well. But it just got me like, thinking about things that are overused, like uh, as far as terminology oh, I was goes. Glad, <laughs> glad you said that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no terminology. <laughs> Like if you ask if you ask a player in an interview any yeah. question, hundred percent, yeah. and then they go and answer after they say hundred percent. I love people who say hundred percent. I do you I've think you guys played well today? hundred percent. We. I love when people say, and then what you do if someone answers hundred percent, make sure you ask them a few more questions that they can answer hundred percent. Hundred percent. And <laughs> seriously, do it. Do it as a yeah. test. As soon as they say hundred percent, yeah. they will go. It wasn't that easy for you guys today, was it? Hundred percent. Oh, yeah. oh, and full credit. <laughs> You're just being a bee. Hundred percent and full credit goes to the others. One triple three five three. Full is, credit to our boys. Yeah, yeah. If we what, uh, what if we is, keep winning, we'll win. Yeah, oh, 100%. Like, uh, <laughs> full credit, mate. Full credit. Uh, oh, it was a clinic today. Yeah, one triple three five three. Is there a term or a phrase that yeah. Especially when, you're, especially when you're watching with sport. The, yeah, with the term or the phrase, we'll have a discussion around it. Yeah, one triple three five three. Paddy and Rob Palmer, the podcast. G'day, Shorty. G'day, Sean. How you going? Yeah, good, mate. Is there a word, there a phrase that sometimes you oh, know, annoys just, you just a tad? Ad, ad nauseum. Yeah, yeah, there's a word and it's literally. Oh. I can't stand it. It's like, oh, I'm literally going to the shops. Just say I just went to the shops. Like, <laughs> why do you have to throw it in? You already went or you're going. It just it drives me insane. Hundred <laughs> percent. Oh, full credit to the literal boys. Oh, you did that as a clinic. Yeah. On what not Sweet. to do. And you know what? We've all got friends who say that. Literally. Seriously. I'm literally. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I literally have friends that say it. Yeah. 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 I literally just went to the toilet. <laughs> oh, Shawnee, mate. We've got a double pass for you. Retribution, starring Liam Neeson in cinemas September twenty-one. You can see it at the event cinemas. Tug, we got it for nothing, mate. Well. Well done, Shorty. Oh, rock and roll. Good on you. Thanks for the laugh, Shorty. Thanks, buddy. One, two, three, five, three. Oh, you can text us as well. Literally. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Quite literally. Paddy and Rob Palmer, the podcast. Well, there was an incident this morning. I know you had an incident. There was an incident. I looked down to my right and we have our keyboard. Oh, and I'm there. My God. There are like. Just it is covered in white dots and white spray everywhere. Like someone has. Well, I I looked at that and I went, "Oh, said, my who sneezed God. on my keyboard?" I, I thought, "What a grub has been in here 
And so I called in producer Zach. Producer Zach, good morning. Morning. I think you uncovered as to why there are all white dots and a yes. spray all over the keyboard. Yeah, it's actually from you. Uh, I watch you every morning eat your cereal at about five o'clock, and you, as you bring the spoon up to your mouth, the Surprise, milk surprised. drops off the, the spoon into the bowl and yeah. splatters right. everywhere. Splash. Right. So and that's what that is. I'm going to get a DNA oh, test because mate. I do not think I would splatter you this splatter. keyboard as much as said splash keyboard. You splatter, Zach. Have you ever seen him at a buffet? <laughs> I see him in the morning, every morning eating. What about the time we went to the races? I know. Oh, that was actually. Was, was it? So you were so into the story you were telling me that you did not realise that you spat the food that you were chewing whilst talking. It was a bread roll. Into you, you spat the food onto the, onto the stack of plates that were there to be used mm. by all and sundry. Yeah. And then I looked horrified as this food left your mouth. And landed on yeah. the communal plates. It was. It was not only. I tell you what. I, I tell you when. As a turret. Did you disappoint missile, me with your reaction? Yeah. You spot on. You simply on flicked the food that came out of your mouth, the wet lump of bread, flicked it off the plate. All right, okay. And moved on. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You didn't have to mention the that. Next person, <laughs> the right, next okay. person. All right. Next person. You brought up. All right. Okay. The soft, oh, all right. Okay. I, all right. All right. I, that was an act. I'm I'm banned from eating and talking at the same time at home now, for some I'm, unknown reason. If you're at a buffet with Gerard, get your plate from the bottom. Paddy and Rob Palmer, the podcast. Good morning, Robert. Morning, Patrick. What do you got for us? Well, the great pretenders, yeah. as you, the Brisbane Broncos, <laughs> and you wouldn't think, but Michael Jackson, also a great pretender. Because did, did, didn't he change his voice? It is hard. <clears throat> what? What happened? You thought that Michael Jackson, when he spoke, had hey, that really hey, Go on, do, do it. Hey, Michael Jackson. Because that's how he would talk, wouldn't he? Can you please do the rest of this in Michael Jackson voice? Uh-huh. Okay. Those close to Jackson, however, have alleged that the musician's pitched voice was fake and only used in interviews. So how about that? And it was real deep and husky, wasn't it? I heard. It was much far deeper mm. in real life. Hello. Yeah. Little story about Jackson's fake voice struck a chord with fans. The musical director making the incredible revelation. It was a long time ago, back yeah. in 2005. He said, I hope he doesn't get angry at me for telling you this, but it's his public persona. Well, you know what? It's an image. Smoke and mirrors. Michael Jackson. Yeah. Hi. So it was Jackson. And uh, so it was. Hi, it, hi, I'm Michael Jackson. Said, See, there you go. It doesn't work. Smoke and mirrors. But you go, hi, Michael Jackson. You know, <laughs> and they go, wow. And it sort of, it was synonymous with. Um, Michael Jackson. <laughs> so, so that was the reason no, why. Hey, <clears throat> what else? And so what happened? So what, they just used to change his voice? Yeah, he just changed it. That was his public persona. Oh, so. Well, look, here's something that you, I don't know whether you want to do it this week, but a way to boost your funeral because what happens is a bloke and his name is uh, Sylvester, Sylvester Moss, and what he does, you can hire him. He's a professional mourner. And he comes and cries at your funeral, but he does come at a cost. What? So he's got some specials on because they like the guy from Wedding Crashes. Very, very much so. Because you've got your normal crying, he charges fifty four. Uh, Bohemian hollering, which is a hundred bucks. Uh, this does not. This does not exist. Does too. Does too. He does Mum crying. Mum died. I'd like you to come and. Uh, yeah. Or no. Well, you might. In come your, on. No, you might want. Oh, 
to think other guests there think that you really affected people throughout their lives, like, you know, touch them so they'll he'll come oh, and do this. Just, do you employ him before you die? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So a, I would employ him for my own funeral. funeral. yeah. So it's not like you're a th- sympathy cry and you need someone else to cry to help you to cry. No, no, no. He will help you as though people go, God, he, oh, he wow. really must. Yeah. Really affected but, that bloke. Yeah. Uh, crying and rolling on the ground, he does it for 150. Oh. Um, there's more. Crying and threatening to jump into the grave, 200. And then crying and actually jumping into the gravesite, a thousand. Thousand bucks. Thousand bucks. To completely ruin your funeral. <laughs> so if you're thinking about it, and you know what? And they're specials. They're the special prices at oh, uh, Sylvester. For an extra 500, they'll bury him with you. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, I tell you what, his business will go uh, go broke pretty soon if they do that. But that's what he does. Um, do they have them in Australia? This was from America. But um, that's that's not bad money. Funeral sympathisers crying and actually jumping in the grave a thousand bucks. What a depressing oh, job! Oh God, could you do it? Absolutely oh. not. Going to work today. Paddy <laughs> <laughs> and Rob Palmer, the podcast. Well, the Wyong Leagues Group—they're pouring a lot of money to boost rugby league. To find out more, we got Group Marketing Manager from Wyong Leagues Group, Keith Cameron, with us this morning. Good morning, hey, Keith. Keith. Good morning, boys. Mate. Big load of money going into local rugby league. Yeah, look, uh, they're much needed improvements that we're making to the to the grounds up there, and um, you know, hopefully they'll uh, be seen to be huge benefits to uh, the rugby league community. Five hundred million. Uh, sorry, yeah, half a million, five hundred thousand. Yes, mate. Uh, all going towards uh, in the first instance drainage uh, for the main oval there. Um, as you probably realise, over the last couple of years we've had uh, some pretty wild weather. <laughs> And uh, that's caused the uh, pitch to be closed on a couple of occasions. Yeah. This hopefully will make sure that, that doesn't happen. And Keith, uh, it's always a joy when you can go down to, to a field on a Wednesday night or whatever night your training is and be able to see what you're doing. You're doing some work with that, the lights? That doesn't do it either, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're really putting, uh, boosting the lights there. So that'll mean that uh, we'll have access to uh, nighttime games there. Um, for uh, and you know, be able to present something that's uh, you know, the standard that people will appreciate. Mate, when does it all start? Uh, well, the work's uh, going to be started and finished prior to the uh, new season, so uh, before 2024 kicks off, it'll all be uh, done and dusted. And the, the other thing that's really important there for the juniors is that um, the two uh, junior ovals that we have at the front, the Bill Hicks ovals, uh, we're getting those uh, up spec for lights as well, so that'll extend the period of training that the, the kids will be able to do there yeah. Yeah. and do it much safer, to be honest. So, yeah. Good and, news. Keith, it's not a smash and grab. You guys have got this is uh, planned over a number of years. Yeah, it's the first step in a five-year strategic plan that we have for, for the venue. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot more things to come and a lot more announcements to be made further down the track. Oh, that is really so good, good news. That is really good news. So five-year strategic plan for Rugby League with the Wyong Leagues Group. And and so she started. We'll be ready for when they train next year, as you yep, said. Yeah, yeah. And you've got kids turning up to games and training, feeling like they are being looked after like professionals. So good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's the whole objective of it, yeah. Mate, that's really good news from the, uh, the group marketing manager from the Wyong Leagues Group, Keith Cameron. Thanks for joining us this morning, Keith. No worries, guys. Thanks, buddy. See you, Keith. Bye. Paddy and Rob Palmer, the podcast. At the supermarket, Mm -hmm. man was seen by a woman who pulled into a parking spot trying to get into a car. Yeah. And then he 
nicked off into the shopping centre when she turned up. She had a baby with her. She didn't want to say anything or, or get involved in any way because she was, you know, looking after a baby. Yeah. And I had a chat with her. Yeah. Alerted the cleaners. Oh, the cleaners. First, Don't the, worry about authorities. First the cleaners. The cleaners, of course you do. Ask the cleaners to find I, security. I tell quite Actually, often if I there's ask. an incident, I ring the cleaners. Well, this man was loitering in the supermarket. If I'm I, on the M1 and there's an accident, I'll ring call the cleaners. Give the cleaners a buzz. You know, you know the cleaners. <laughs> Every time you visit the bathroom at work, we get the cleaners in. <laughs> oh, I've done that a few times. That's right. So but, that's good. <laughs> no, the cleaners. <laughs> Cleaners. Would you please call the police? There's a bloke in here that's been breaking the cars. Mm. And they went, oh, no, no. Yeah. They called security. Oh, they, and then they, I went so up, they called the cleaners. I thought, they haven't called us. the police. The cleaners have called security. <laughs> so I took a photo of them there. He didn't know I'd taken a photo. No, I did it. I pretended I was on my phone yeah. talking and I oh, took, took photos a photo. whilst I was. Oh, yeah. see, that's COVID. That's COVID on. on no, COVID. it's not COVID. It's covert. Covert. Yeah. <laughs> well, I call it COVID. A COVID operation. Paddy and Rob Palmer, the podcast. It was about understanding the impacts of out commuting. The did it hurt? Uh, it did. Uh, it's the key to supporting the Central Coast community to thrive, especially with those who commute. It was done a few years ago. I think it was done by the Central Coast Council. And this is where the money went. $750 million on this <laughs> report. <laughs> on this report. But it was, Fancy report. I reckon back, uh, like it was only a couple of years ago, 44,200 yeah. residents journey outside the area to their main place of work. Uh, I think it's gone up. I thought it was about 50,000. But it gave um, stats on what happens for those who do, com- who do commute. 9,500 couples on the Central Coast do long commutes. And long commute times have been shown to increase the risk of divorce by 40%. One of the big things... Uh, yeah, you're never home. Yeah, of course. Oh, you just never... Right. You're never there. And then when you do... You, you're so tired. back, yeah, you you're so tired. tired. Oh, oh, and you can be bothered. Seriously. And then uh, there's a responsibility of other things that, you know, like, you know, the parenting side of things that's, and that's you're always focusing difficult. on that. And your relationship gets left... Gets left in the, the toilet sometimes. Again. 13% increase in fatigue, 12% increase in stress. But uh, money-wise... They say about 113 million. The Central Coast loses in economy yeah. by people spending money on lunches and beverages. I know you love the word a, a hot tea beverage. Um, congestion. Well, no, I like going. I like working here because there's a little coffee set up, but so that you don't have to you spend. Spend money. I would spend fifty to 150 dollars a week on coffee if it wasn't for the coming uh, out of the triple machine. M kitchen. Yeah, yeah. thank goodness and, for a work coffee machine. And all the containers I got from there yesterday, I saved about 20, uh, 20 30 bucks. With all those containers I bought, um, highlighters, borrowed, b- highlighters you get, but no, pa- it really is, of paper. But it is unbelievable, and the amount of extra hours that people spend in their cars, and this is what it was all about. And, it chews your life out. Oh, it does. Um, and then, and then you have to think about the traffic issues on the roads when there are issues going to work and coming from home. Like and, it doesn't happen often, but when the oh, M1 drops its pants, it's over for everybody and you, you lose half your day. Yeah, and we did take this call earlier on this morning, one triple three five three. G'day, Andrew from Budgie Woy. Morning, boys. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. What you calling sound, about? You sound like you're driving now. Oh, I am, mate. I'm going to Sydney again. How, how long? a three-year deal here. Oh, so you've been doing, been doing it. Andrew, what do you do, Andrew? Three years. I work uh, at Winning Services or Appliances Online at Rose Hill. Oh, right. Okay. Mate, three years. Uh, I'm up at, yeah, 1,000 Ks a week. Okay. What time you get oh, up? Unbelievable. 
What time you get up? 4.30, go by 5.30, and I'm going to try and get there by 7. Okay, and what time you get home? Sometimes, sometimes, uh, probably around 5 o'clock, quarter past 5, although I do a little bit of teaching in Sydney three nights a week. That brings me home at about 10.30. Holy. So sleeping, yeah, sleeping is an option. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate. So, Palmer, shut your whinge in today, mate. And oh, there's been no whinging. And so you got a family and, and all that, Andrew? No, quite the opposite, boys. You got divorced. That's why I'm up here. Oh, right. There you go. And, See, and it wasn't because of the commuting that led to the divorce? <laughs> no, the divorce, the divorce led to the commuting. Oh, right. right. Oh, okay. Right, okay. Well, so you're single and fancy free. Very, very. And Kim called us too. Kerry, Kerry from Morissette. She said her husband's doing it, been doing it for 25 years. That's a long time commuting between here and Sydney, isn't it? She makes years. his lunch every day. Saves he the does money. No, no worries oh, about buying actually lunch. buying lunch. Hey, buying lunch that, is too bloody dear. How much? You buy Honestly. a sandwich and you've lost $15. Hey, and then you drink and you might do that on the way to work. Then you go, lunch. Zachy, what you were saying, buddy? Yeah. Our producer. I think Mama told you the story. I went to get Uber Eats Subway and it was going to cost me like $60 just to get a sub and a cookie and a drink delivered to my house. 60 bucks. 60 bucks. Now, please explain. That was when he was in King Roy for me. <laughs> yeah, it had to come from Brisbane. <laughs> Long distance delivery. Was that here? That was here. Mem- yeah. Mem- Terrace. Yeah. 60 bucks. 60 bucks. The food and delivery. Yes. That's How a joke. Yeah. I saw a report last night. It was on the news about um, people's diets and that tradies have potentially the worst diets of all Australians. Because of takeaways, because, buying takeaways. Well, I guess so. I mean, who didn't love a pint of Coke at oh, Smoko? Exactly. And you go, oh, or an, gee, oak, oh no, chocolate milk. Or an yeah. oak, oak, chocolate milk. Hey, chocolate got a, milk and a meat pie. Yeah, <laughs> it was just yeah, it was a staple for me as a young bloke. Uh, it's starting to show. We've got news coming up very soon <laughs> with, with Shawnee P talking about that the Mariners' That was unnecessary. <laughs> Paddy and Rob Palmer, the podcast. Yeah, we've got Kerry from Morrishead. G'day, Kerry. Kerry. Hi, guys. How are we this morning? Yeah, good. Now, I know, is it your husband? How long's he been commuting for? Uh, he's been commuting for 25 years. He wins. Yeah. Holy moly. He, he works on um, Hornsby Council. He's actually travelling to uh, Goldston at the moment, to Morissette, yeah. every day. And he gets up at 3 o'clock in the morning, so he um, beats all the traffic and all the idiots on the road, he reckons, yeah. and has, has a sleep in the car. So so he goes from where Morissette to Hornsby? Someone else is driving in, though, right? Yeah, yeah, every day. And gets up yeah. at 3 o'clock. What time does he get home? Oh, the gets up at 3, goes, and then sleeps, sleeps in, the in the car to get ready for yeah. Yeah, oh, right. Rob, Rob thinks, yeah. thinks that he, you're saying he sleeps while he drives. Oh, God, he's a numpty. No. Don't worry, oh, Kerry. God. It's hard to find good help these days. Oh, buddy. it is. Oh, bloody hopeless he is. Oh, that'll <laughs> do, Kerry. <laughs> you be, so, be careful now, Kerry. <laughs> what time What time does he get home? Uh, he gets home about uh, half past four. Yeah. That's a big day yeah. from 3 to half past four. 12 yeah. and a half hours. Yeah. Jeez. And and he oh, doesn't waste burning. all his money on um, lunch because I pack his lunch every day. Oh, right, because that's oh, what we were saying. you are true blue, yeah. Kerry. Yeah, I know. I'm the best wife in the world. Yep, yep. 13 oh. and a half hours uh, <laughs> commute. Wow. Best wife in the world, Kerry. Best wife in the yeah, world. Well, he, he can't afford to buy his lunch because it co- costs too much in petrol. Yeah, it must. He must. I tell Mate, you well, what, it's, it's twenty bucks. You know, I, I worked out it was twenty bucks a day driving up up and down the M. Whatever one. M one, yeah. yeah, and that's you know that adds up. It, it certainly does. It certainly does. You should but, get a company car. Yeah, 
Oh, yeah, right. The okay. co- council's too tight for that. Yeah. Patty and Rob Palmer, the podcast. Well, Robert, as you know, a Broncos fan through and through, and the man who was the master behind the success of the Broncos was Wayne Bennett. Well, there's a book out. It's called The Wolf You Feed, and it's Wayne Bennett, the man, the myth, the mayhem. It's written by Andrew Webster, and Andrew joins us this morning. Good morning, Andrew. Andrew. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Thank you for having me. Mate, and this is authorised too, isn't it? No, it's not. Oh, <laughs> unauthorised. No, the book's... Is this interview authorised? Yes, the book is not authorised. <laughs> okay. Right. But, but it's everything behind. How many hours do you sit with Wayne um, oh, putting this book together? I... I reckon, so it's an unauthorised book in the sense that I was going to do the book regardless, talking to as many people about Wayne and trying to, you know, write about his life. I just thought that um, a a coach of his stature deserved a a well-written biography, talking to as many people as possible. Um, uh, But he was the first person I told because I know what rugby league's like and he would have found out within about 20 minutes anyway, so... I wanted him to hear it from me, and he said, "Well, if you're going to do it, then I wanted to, you to do it right." And I reckon I, I reckon I've done in the vicinity of 30 hours of interviews with Wayne, I'd say, including four at his farm at Warwick. So it's um, he's he, I spoke to him more than anyone, but he I, I spoke yeah. to his family, I spoke to former players, current players, enemies, supporters. So it's uh, yeah, it's a pretty big, well-rounded book. I'd like to think. In- in those 30 hours, you'd have got a seven or eight words out of Wayne. <laughs> he wasn't the chattiest <laughs> bloke, was he? Oh, no, I got plenty out of him. I got a lot I got a lot out of, out of Bennett. He um, he opened up like I've never really heard him open up before. A lot of times he would just ring me and, and, um, and just chat. Um, we had a couple of moments on the phone, few tears. It was... I thought I think the whole experience for him was very cathartic. Even though he, you know, never wanted to, uh, me to do it, he um, he thought if I'm going to do it, then he wants to get his his side of the story across. On, you know, he's just lived such a long, storied career, not just the successes, but the, the failures. And um, I, it, look, the obvious, there's a lot more to him than just uh, than what people see in the press conferences. And throughout his time, Wayne has made enemies in the football fraternity. And this is all spoken about as well in the book, The Wolf You Feed. He's got, he has separation issues. That's, that's not my term. That's, uh, that's Steve Renouf, one of his former Broncos players, of course, one of the greats. And he, he just said, when, it, Wayne, is, <laughs> Wayne is the expert at building the trust and, uh, of players around him and, and getting them close and playing and, and believing in him and each other. But the, the struggle as when you're that type of man manager coach is that it, the inevitability of football is that you're going to have to cut a player and at the end of the day Wayne's number one priority is winning like all of the best coaches he's he's very ruthless very machiavellian and will do whatever he needs to do to win and that mean if that means getting rid of players early like if that means sacking Wally Lewis as as, uh, as captain yeah, if that yeah. means getting rid if that means sacking Gary Belcher and Kevin Walters' assistant coaches, if that means going and sniffing out uh, offers from the Roosters, whatever it is, yeah. whatever it is. He'll, he'll do what do it whatever takes. He, he'll do whatever it takes to win. Now, I may be a little bit stupid, Andrew, but I'm still stuck on what an unauthorised book is. <laughs> <laughs> He's a lot you stupid. Know, in, simple, in simple terms, in simple terms, 
I get all the money. <laughs> <laughs> you beauty! So you got to buy it. <laughs> he doesn't get on with Gordon Tellis. This is in Chapter 19. I've started reading that. And this is the thing. The book tells everything from their point of view, the player's point of view as well, about Wayne Bennett. Absolutely, yeah. Gordy, look, Gordy's like a lot of his players, guys, in, that, in the sense that he falls out with them when, when they leave. I mean, there was a lot of talk around the way that Bennett... Uh, Bennett played Gordon off the bench in his final game against North Queensland in Townsville. And people seem to think that Gordy has been uh, hell-bent on criticising Bennett because of that ever since. If you know Gordon Tallis, it's just because Gordon is very upfront. He, he, he talks in the media like he played the game straight and hard. Yeah. Um, and, and there's, you know, he doesn't deviate from that. But but even even now, though, like, I mean, there was a fundraiser up on the Gold Coast a couple of weeks ago where they shared a, a stage together. So there's still plenty of respect there. Yeah. But... But Gordon, Gordon said a really interesting thing to me. He said, I never fell under Wayne Bennett's spell because I had good parents. And what he meant by that is that Wayne is very, very, um, very adept at, uh, at being a father figure to players who didn't have a father. Oh, because Wayne, right. never, cause Wayne never had one himself. Yeah. And I think that's a big part of why Wayne coaches, because he's giving back to young, young blokes what he never had. When he was a kid himself. There so, you go. But it's yeah, led to it's cool. led to victory. It's led to success, and you can adjust all about that. It's called the Wolf You Feed. It's by Wayne Bennett. Uh, sorry, but it's by Andrew Webster. <laughs> Unauthorised. <laughs> the only way he could have made it better for Paddy is to put the headings in bubble writing. <laughs> and and where are the oh. pictures? <laughs> no, there's no pictures. Oh, brilliant. Well, uh, Andrew, I tell you what, I've done about 19 interviews in the last two days. This has been the funnest by far. Oh, <laughs> it's just that we've got one numpty over there. Uh, Andrew Webster, <laughs> journalist. Thank you. Talking to yourself again. So, uh, okay. Thank you. So, and you've got to buy it. Honestly, the wolf you yeah. feed, get it at uh, any good bookstore. Go online and make sure you do because it's a great read. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us today, buddy. Good, good really job. appreciate Thanks, it. Guys. See you, mate. Patty and Rob Palmer, the podcast. Morning, Patrick. What do you got for us? Well, John Boy was putting away some cases of water uh, on the shelves at Costco. He worked at Costco. Yep. And he noticed something on one of the pallets. He found an envelope there on the pallet and he's looked inside. He goes, oh, geez, this is good. Money. Ooh. He's found 3940 bucks cash. Not a bad pickup. What do you do? You just put your hand over it, slide it in your pocket, <laughs> and keep walking. You would, would you? What did he do? You would. What did, what did John A do? He handed well, it in. Rather than take the money for himself, of course. John immediately alerted his manager. Which oh, I would have. Which what I, a suck up. Which I. Albeit minus two and a half thousand dollars. That's right. <laughs> There was allegedly only 3,940 in it. Okay, yeah. so he's got this money. They cross-referenced the CCTV yeah. and found a woman who had lost the money. So yeah. this is where I'm a bit sus because who walks into Costco with 3,940 bucks in an envelope? Oh, look, you can spend up big there because everything's in bulk. In an envelope? Yeah, of course you do. A lot of people do that. But this, this is where I got sus because she goes, oh, thank you. That money was for my children to go to school. Bull story. Oh. That is no way that she's yeah. carrying her children's education fund in, an in her pocket, in yeah. an envelope yeah. at Costco yeah. and yeah. then leaves it on a pallet. Yeah. There was something going on. Okay. 
So what what was the moral of the story? Did Johnny get any money for being so honest? Or if nothing? you find three thousand nine hundred and forty bucks it. in cash in an envelope, it's probably for something untoward. <laughs> okay, all right. I've got singer Ed Sheeran. He cancelled a gig as crowds came in over fears the set would collapse. Now, fans, they queued in swelling heat for hours in Las Vegas. Hopes, hopefully he's still performing when we go over there, when our station sends us over there next year for the opening yeah. NRL match, minus Jack Byton. Um, Mr. Bitey Boy got three three weeks. Does that mean he won't go to Vegas? Oh, he probably, he'll probably he'll be on tour. But can if, you take – Well, see, his, take... Space, his space is spare. Take one of us. Anyway, so uh, fans queued in sweltering heat for hours in Las Vegas and were left fuming when it was axed 20 minutes after the doors opened. Now, Ed and his team were bringing in the gear ahead of a sound check when a flooring problem was flagged and rubber tiling had become unstuck, causing the two tall towers to slip overnight by about a foot each. Now, engineers tore the rig apart and reinforced the towers, but both was still found to be shifting at, have a guess, what stadium? Have a guess. Um, Alley Giant, or some people call it. Allegiant. <laughs> Allegiant the stadium. stadium that we're going in Nevada next year. Yes, the stadium we're going to, when work sends us for our, our trip overseas for the opening rugby league match. So Jack what's Warren. wrong? Well, because, and well, they, they couldn't uh, ensure the safety. So health and safety is paramount, so they had to cancel the gigs. Some fans were said to be vomiting and passing out as temperatures hit 37 degrees. Others were angry that merchandise Weak. and other stores were open despite the cancellation. And the gig has been rescheduled for October 28, which it was with, which was March sometime next year because we'll be over there. And the wow. Alley Giant Stadium apologised for delays, or some called it Allegiant, uh, for the delays and inconvenience. Oh, so, they yeah, should, they should just safe. move it. Yeah. Move it out into the desert yeah. where it never rains. Oh, yeah, very in Nevada. So. Patty and Rob Palmer, the podcast. And is Michelle Bishop from Wungara, Seven News Chief League reporter? Mm. She would be going have to, to be. have to be in Vegas next year. Good morning, Michelle. Oh, my God, my spot is booked on the plane, but I'll tell you who's not going to Vegas Jack Whiten. Oh, Jack Whiten. No. Unlikely. Man. No seat for him. Seriously, I know we get hungry at times, um, but he munched down on um, what, Tyson Gamble. It was a chomp. Was it was a, a chomp, chomp or a nibble? <laughs> Tyson Gamble responsibly. We tested this, and if I chuck my arm into Paddy's mouth hard enough, his teeth make an imprint. What's the, the arm shouldn't I have been love, in his mouth. I love the the the, uh, the quote. Look at the slobber. So he even did it in a grubby way. And you know I'm Jack White's biggest fan. Actually, <laughs> I'm just going to put it out there, guys. I actually don't think he did. I just think that uh, uh, he's Tyson should be more responsible with what he does with his arm. I think it's um, yeah. I think it goes two ways here. Yeah, Jack, that's I'm not with you. Jack Whiten's game. It's not in his character. Michelle, can you be Jack Whiten's defence lawyer, please? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I am so. Now, look, they did very well. Why didn't in the the match yesterday between the Knights and the Raiders? They must be regretting not going for a field goal in that first five minutes of extra time. Look, I don't even know what they were thinking. And to be honest, those sort of questions were posed to Ricky Stewart, um, well, to, you know, to, to both coaches. It was a very interesting press conference. Um, Stick went into that press conference just on the defence straight up. It was like, see, told you all. You all didn't think we'd make it even to the top eight. Well, we've proved you wrong. This is the Raiders' DNA. 
Um, and yeah, I guess that was uh, controlling the way that conversation went. And so we didn't hone in on the uh, the biting incident with Jack White, and, but it obviously got discussed. But look, more importantly, guys, I actually want to give a bit of credit because I was one of the ones that sort of, you know, put it out there that I thought Adam O'Brien had had a brilliant roster for quite some time and just not nailing it. But when you consider his background and the things that he's gone through with the, the death of his mother, and uh, look, to be able to turn that side around the way he has and to scrape through that yesterday, full credit to the boys, but full credit to him. He was to, He's just been enormous. And to see them now be able to toddle off over to New Zealand and, and try and beat the Warriors over there at home um, against another well, crazy uh, sold-out stadium where, where it'll be played is yet to be des- decided. But um, it'll just be so special. And how good I was there yesterday, for, uh, you know, to see the Newcastle Knights and the town and the way they all buy in. When the footy team's going good, Newcastle's on fire. It's It's been huge, fantastic. wasn't it? It was huge. Warriors didn't look like much, though, against the Panthers, did they? Well, they did. And obviously, Sean Johnson was a massive out there. And, you know, you just can't inter- underestimate what he's able to do to steer that side around the park. He'll be back next week. But, look, I've, I've put it out there. Massive Warriors fans. I think they've just been the fairy tale story, uh, considering what was it, 854 days in quarantine, stuck over here, away from family and stuff. So, and, and, and Andrew Webster being able to be a rookie coach and again turn that side around the way they have. But when you look at their soft run into that the finals, I mean they played the Tigers, they played Manly, they played the Dragons, and they really should have pulled on more points. In, in my um, opinion, I just think that maybe their run might come to an end. I might be wrong. Um, but look, I think this is a two-horse race, guys. Penrith Panthers and the Brisbane Broncos have been saying it, you know, for quite some time. Uh, the Broncos have just been phenomenal. The way Kevy's been able to, you know, again, look where they were last year, uh, failing to make the finals. You had, uh, you know, Selwyn Cobbo telling everybody publicly, that, oh, look, Kevy's a great bloke, but he can't coach. Well, guess what, Selwyn? You're into the finals. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> Adam Reynolds might have had something to do with that, but look, they've been a great combination, have they? I, what about Ryan Pappenhausen played for the Storm, came back oh. after something like 14 so months with that knee? That was, that, was, that, that was terrible. That was so awful seeing I, him. I sent, um, I sent Paps a text message on Saturday morning and just, it just looked the resilience. And, you know, I've got my boys in, in the uh, rugby league system and I, they look up to guys like that. And this is where we all, all our keyboard warriors and all those people that want to bag rugby league players for how much money they're on and what they do, you don't get to see this side of it. And this is not just isolated to Ryan Pappenhaus. I mean, he's been a big pro- high-profile player with some horrific injuries. Um, and look, this is only a broken ankle in the in the scheme of things compared to the shattered kneecap and, and what he's had to go through. But mentally for him to be able to regroup on Saturday morning saying, hey, pop that social media post up and say, let's go again. Yeah. It's absolutely extraordinary. So I think all the supporters that, you know, want to want to kick them while they're down when, when they, their side has lost or, you, you know, stuffed up a multi, have a good think about what they put themselves through week in, week out at, from such a young age, 14, 15 to try and just keep making a living out of rugby league. I think they deserve every cent they get. Valentine Holmes, on the other hand, guys, what was he thinking? Yeah, I was washing powder. It was washing oh, powder. Hey, Come chop. on. <laughs> I'm, was... I'm totally shocked. Obviously, no Valentine from his time at the Sharks. Like, he's, a, he's you know, a really decent bloke. And, look, I, I can only imagine. I'm, I can't, you know, sort of say too much because it was just a, a bag with a white powdery substance in it. We don't know exactly. That's all got to sort of be played out today. But I'd say his defence to the Cowboys today, when they're you know behind closed doors and having to confront the NRL Integrity Unit, it'll all be about. Well, I didn't take it. Um, I, I didn't use it. I didn't whatever. It was a funny yep. phone. Oh, it all went wrong. The yeah. dumb meter just went through the Richter. Oh. 
I, I have no defence. I'll go. I'll stick up for Jack Whiten, but I've just got nothing. <laughs> Michelle right. Bishop, seven on news, that. chief league reporter. She's our local girl. We'll see you on TV tonight, Michelle. Thank you, and you're doing a great job covering the league for seven. Let me tell you. Always a pleasure, guys. See you on the telly tonight. See you, Michelle. Patty and Rob Palmer, the podcast. Okay, your mummy's okay. called you. Well, you mum's called. Thirty-two. She said, Rob. What did Barbara say? I, no, that's, <laughs> that's a lie. I, um, she said, Rob, I'm uh, just clearing out a few things. I mm. went, oh, here we go. She said, I've got your uh, fighting fantasy books that you had when you were seven. Like, I used to collect them. 22. <laughs> <laughs> I used to collect them. And yeah. I had one through to, oh, it must have been 36 of these books. Yeah. Uh, Ian Livingston or Steve Jackson or something wrote them, and they were choose-your-own-adventure books. Are they like the Goosebump ones? Remember Goosebumps? Do the kids have, you all have kids have Goosebumps? Go- what? Goosebumps, the, the book. I don't know what Goosebumps are. Oh. Oh, they're what I get every time I come anywhere near. <laughs> no, it's not you. <laughs> um, but she's going to throw them out, and I was like, oh. I'm thinking maybe I should take them and offer them to someone because they're they? such good things. What were they? Fighting fantasy. Fighting fantasy. Yeah, look it up. Look it up. Mm-hmm. Because the fighting fantasy books, that was part of my childhood. Yeah. And she said, oh, I'm going to throw them out. Yeah, I said, I'll Yeah, oh, okay, throw them out. And then I started crying. But she's now got to an age. She goes, Rob, I'm throwing things out so that because I'm getting older, I don't want to die and leave a house full of stuff for you to have to look through. Mm. And she says, so she's, she's doing us a favor, she says, by clearing stuff out. Do parents get to a certain age and then go, I'm yeah, going to start throwing gone. my life away. Because, you know, as and, and you would have, as a parent, and most parents do, when your kids bring home all that art, and they're like, oh, that is beautiful. Oh, we'll and I'll that. keep that forever. <laughs> we'll store that. And, and then, and then, and then <laughs> that's you go, right. What? And you get to a st- not, I can't keep that any <laughs> you longer. You get to a stage where you go, they won't yeah. even know it's missing. It's but a whole out. generation's gone yeah, by. I, I remember yeah, I when know, my grandmother, yeah. my grandmother went and took a vase down to the pawn shop get, that mm. she had out the, the fr- at the front of the house. <laughs> and your grandmother couldn't spell. <laughs> <laughs> no. So she's gone to the, grand's gone to the pawn shop yeah, with his vase and traded in for cash. And dad's gone, what the hell have you done? That's a yeah, family heirloom. Yeah. I want it back. He had to go and buy it back from the oh, pawn shop. Oh, They've no. still got it at home. Yeah. And it must cost him three times what she got for yeah. it. And now they're going to get to the stage where they throw it out. Do I then go and do I go and take that vase for the rest of my life? I don't oh, know. No. I need that vase. Do you have enough room? Look, I'm looking up these uh, fantasy books that you use. These fighting, fighting fantasy. fantasy. Look, some are collectors' items. Others are just oh really? Nothing. Like yeah, which like, one? Oh look, Citadel you, of Thieves. No, have you got uh, the vintage one, 1977, A Lord and Wizards Conquer and Rule and Empire? What about? Oh, no, that, no, oh, no, no, that's not what you're on the wrong oh, thing. Oh, sorry. The Warlock of Firetop Mountain. That oh, what was about one the Temple of Terror? Oh no, that was the, it oh, was the city te- of City of Thieves. Temple of Terror might have been one. Yeah. Anyway, they're not worth much. Look, you just no, um, tell your mum throw them out. <laughs> Ian <laughs> Livingstone, five dollars ninety nine. The Warlock and Steve Jackson. The Warlock on Firetop Mountain is worth five ninety nine. You can buy it brand really? new from Dimmicks. So, oh really? Yeah. Throw them out. They're great books. You choose your own adventure. You can die 15 times a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get rid of them. Uh, mm. All right. Okay. So I'm here to help, Robert. I'm here to help because you can't keep everything. That's basically. Caverns of the Snow Witch. Oh, all right. Story you're not about, going to get to every title, mate. We, we haven't got time. Patty and Rob Palmer, the podcast. So we've got Mark Lamont, volunteer at Wombie Save Our Sounds, with us this morning. Good morning, Mark. Hey, Mark. 
Good morning, everyone. How are you doing? Yeah, not too not bad. bad. It's a lot of people that don't want the wall. Absolutely. Absolutely. Been tremendous support in the effort to stop the thing. It's going to be a, a nightmare. They're talking about a 1.3-kilometre concrete wall. It's the last thing we need. Mark, and you, uh, are you in Parliament this morning? Are you tabling it today? What's the go? We're, we're heading down there now. We're going to be on the train at uh, 10 o'clock and uh, down down to uh, Parliament House to the big old tree down the backyard and uh, we'll be uh, there to uh, make make the case. Yeah. Part of the argument for the war was that not just for the houses that were looking like falling into the ocean, but for apparent infrastructure in the road behind the houses. Have you got an argument or have you got a proposal for something, an alternative, say, to protect those... Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. First thing we've got is the state government's own report, the Martha and Jacob Associates Report 2017. They paid for it. And it makes the case that it's extremely unlikely that there will be such a breakthrough that you described. Uh, the, the science, uh, we've got the experts. We've got Professor Andrew Short. We've got Angus, Dr. Angus Gordon. We've got others who are all adamant that there, there would not be a breakthrough and there would not be that damage to infrastructure. That was just a 30 that was put out to get the thing through. Uh, and so we've got a really clear message. I've got some good news, though. We did get a, a call from um, uh, from uh, MP, uh, Minister for Central Coast, David Harris's office, just this morning, and uh, hopefully we're going to be meeting. So we, we hope there might be some good news in that, but we just keep on push, pushing forward. Well, I think, actually, I, we've got David Harris. Um, uh, David, member for Central Coast, of course, member for Wong, is with us at the moment. At the main, at oh, the moment. terrific. Good morning, David. Yeah, good morning. How are you doing? Yeah, mate, we're just talking, speaking to Mark Lamont, volunteer at Wombi Save Our Sands. Um, what is the latest from uh, the government's point of view, mate? Yeah, so in the background, I've been reviewing everything that's happened uh, since uh, the uh, Wombrel Seawall Advisory Task Force was set up by the previous government. Uh, and we're trying to unpick exactly uh, what uh, the advice from that task force means in terms of what Council's currently doing. Uh, what what I found out is that in the Gosford Beaches Coastal Zone Management Plan, uh, one of their actions uh, is what they call terminal protection, which Council to Action Review Design Funding a Terminal Protection Structure for Wombrel. So essentially, that's a seawall. So Council is moving down that path, not on public land. They're doing it uh, together with residents on private land. So that really complicates the whole thing because anyone's entitled to put in the DA in regards to their own land. So uh, what we will have to do is once we see that final uh, submission, uh, as well as encouraging the locals to put in their opposition, uh, we would have to look at any other uh, strategies we could put in place uh, to uh, stop that from going ahead. So this is a long term. This is a long term venture. Though, Sounds, David. David, like the only way people can stop the wall happening is if council don't approve private uh, improvement to personal land to private land. Yeah, unfortunately, Mark, what's happened is council, and we can discuss this uh, when we meet today. Uh, council has joined the DA, so that means that they won't assess it. It will actually go to the regional planning panel, which is independent. It's independent of government, independent of council. So they'll make a decision based on law and documents that are in place. Uh, and as I said, one of the strategies which was endorsed by the last Liberal government 
was that uh, coastal zone management plan for Gosford Beaches, which includes uh, that terminal protection. So that was endorsed by the former government, uh, and that makes a really difficult situation. And as with a lot of things since we've taken government, we're trying to unpick what are really complex problems, uh, and, and some of it's very, very difficult. Yeah, yeah. David Harris, uh, member. For, yeah, Mark, what were you going to say? Look, I, I was just, look, thanks, Minister, good to speak with you, but just to, to point out that uh, private landowners don't own all the land along the beachfront. I'm aware of all the things you were mentioning around the CZMP. What we're looking for is for the state government not to hand over public land to council because council wants to wall it. And we're also calling on council not to put a wall in front of their uh, access tracks along the beach. So you talked about a terminal wall. Well, that means an end-to-end wall. What we're saying is if council does not participate, if the state government does not participate, it won't be a terminal wall uh, and there won't be a wall. So it is in, in council's hands and in the uh, state government's hands just to keep hold of its of the of the public land, uh, so there can be no wall, and that's what we're really keen to, to see some yeah. action on. That's correct. And my investigation so far is there is no plan to hand that land over, and there's certainly no state government money involved. So we're we're still pursuing those avenues, and we're checking through all the different departments. Uh, but uh, that's an ongoing process. All right. Well, it'll, well, it'll be interesting to see what today's hold. Hey, Mark, David, we've got to get to news. Thank you very oh, no, much wait, for Mark. joining us. It's yeah. been insightful, and we're really happy to be able to put locals together to yeah. solve local problems. Yeah, talking about issues, that's exactly right. Mark Lamont, a volunteer at Wombie Save Our Sands, David Harris, member for Central Coast. Boys, thank you very much for joining us. Katie and Rob Palmer, the podcast. I know, Griffo, your son has got his formal. You hire the suit. Don't buy it, mate. Just madness. Do, do not buy it. Because you'll get like, how much uh, they charge to hire a suit? Oh, it's mate. It's like 300 bucks to hire a suit, surely. Yeah, use it as a tax deduction. Yeah, you know, but just put it in you your just, name. You pay twice that, get a really nice suit. No, and then he'll he go. No, well, he'll go a million, million times the size he is now. How many times do you get the chance to are wear you, a formal suit? Are you the size the of 18 as you are at 21, 22? He won't use Probably serious, a little bit trimmer. <laughs> No, you won't. I tell you who's going to help. Sean Mielekamp, who's the CEO of the Mariners. Oh, Sean, what would you Sean, do? Sean, advice, okay, please. Your lad is doing this formal. Do you hire or buy the suit? Yeah, I think um, I think you hire it because, oh. trust me, I, I need three of my suits from when I was 18 to fit in there at the moment. There's no chance I'd be able to do Okay. That. Okay. So rate of expansion. And, and Estimated rate of expansion. So, Sean Mielekamp, who was the CEO of the Mar- Mariners, <laughs> it's it's sad news for Mariners fans because um, news comes through. <laughs> Championship winning coach Nick Montgomery, he's leaving, mate. We knew it would happen, Shawnee, though. Hey, mate. Yeah, look, but we're celebrating it. You know, like this is this is who we are as a club. We create opportunities, and and for Monty to go and chase his dream in Europe, uh, you know, he's he's worked a long, long time for this, and and we're very proud to be the club that that, that got him into the limelight uh, for all that. And um, and yeah, now we have the exciting um, uh, journey with with somebody else to to take the mantle and and show that this club uh, will just keep moving on and and keep being successful as as we've been doing. Oh, yeah. Any any ideas? Can you throw a couple of names around? Oh, I thought that's why you were calling. I thought you wanted to put your hat in the ring for the coach. I, I, thought, this, I thought this was an interview. Careful what you wish for, Sean. <laughs> and they called and they said, Paddy wants an interview. I thought, oh, okay, I'll get it now. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. He's got a checklist next to you right now, Sean. Now, There's a lot of crosses now, in there, I imagine. Now, is it true Johnny Hutchinson, former Mariners captain, oh, God, he was the ledge, would he throw his hat in the ring? 
Well, look, you know, I've, I've, I've always said about Hutch, every time the position comes up, his name is going to get mentioned. Uh, look, I do know he's on a fantastic journey in Japan at the moment, and, um, you know, and he's, he's a beloved son, um, so who, uh, who we do speak every time these opportunities come. So, but, um, but yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. I have to be very cagey okay. in, uh, in, in where we head from here. Of course, Nick is taking also the Mariners' assistant coach is, is off. Sergio's going and the goalkeeper coach. Is, is he taking anyone going, else? Is he taking you as well? Going with him. The tuck shop, tuck shop person's gone. <laughs> Look, I, I, I did say to Monty, like, like, how did I miss the cut? Like, yeah, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, no, look, yeah, they're they're a package deal that that, that crew, and um, they're super tight uh, for them, and and they'll be successful over there, and I, and I know they'll take they'll take the Mariners brand around the world with them. Mate, is it um, is it huge money? Just asking for a friend. Um, <laughs> look, I suppose it's yeah, you know, it, it's definitely a step up, but it's also definitely an absolute opportunity. So if you look at Ange Postecoglou, yeah. uh, who was down in Scotland and moved from Scotland into into uh, into Tottenham, into the into the big time. Uh, this is the pathway uh, that uh, that's already recognised. And being another Australian coach, yeah, you know, coming through this way is, is really exciting. So, um, so the world's at his feet at the moment, Monty. If he if he can get the hips to perform the way he did at the Mariners. Yeah, Paddy's just rethought this interview and is now turning it into an application. <laughs> he reckons if he can get through the Mariners, <laughs> make his way over to Europe, he's oh, in the money. Because what would Ange be on over there a year? He'd get he'd get a bit. Bit, I, I have no idea, but but it's probably more. It's more money than I can ever imagine. That's for sure. So. <laughs> yeah. Would it be more, more than yeah. Alan Joyce was on? Oh, uh, look, I reckon they'd probably share the same seat on the plane then, too. That's for sure. So. <laughs> oh, oh, now, now we're talking. Okay. When will we Actually, know? I'm going to apply to be Paddy's assistant. <laughs> when, when will we know if I'm successful? I mean, if, if we, the applicant we. is successful for the Mariners coach, how long away? Yeah, look, I think uh, we're, we're Matt Simon's actually heading up the process, so um, so I'll get you in, in contact with Simon. Oh, no. oh, I've got Maddie's get, number. Get a few Go beers back. and uh, so I'll try to sort of wrangle him around. I've got Maddie's number. I was chairman at his brother's wedding, so uh, hey, <laughs> don't forget me, Paddy. <laughs> okay, well, mate, if you, as information comes to hand, uh, let us know, Sean. Okay. Yeah, for sure. And then when you do get promoted yeah. and you do uh, go around the world, take me with you. Okay. Sure. <laughs> You're on. Camp, the CEO of the Mariners. Thanks for joining us this morning, Sean. Cheers, Jen. Thanks for having me. See you, mate. See you, buddy. Paddy and Rob Palmer, the podcast. Subscribe now and you'll never miss an episode.